because you might not reach a lot of people. You might not get 200 likes on every post, but uh, you're talking about something that's very important for few people. And those are the ones who will ultimately buy from you, right? Welcome to the Messy Growth Show, where we talk to founders and marketeers of software and manufacturing companies about their path to growth and challenge the conventional beliefs of what works and what does not to help you untangle the path to your growth. Your host on this podcast is Christian Jorgensen, and I am Soren Hansen. So let's get started with today's guest on the Messy Growth Show. Welcome to the Messy Growth Show, Brian. I love Thank having you. you here. Pleasure. I'm super excited by today's subject, which will be around social selling. Uh, and I know you're like the Jedi master of this in, uh, in Quadrat Consulting, where you are today. As I said before, I probably see you more. Uh, I look more at you than my wife. Sorry, I apologize for that. See you pop up on my LinkedIn all the time. So uh, super excited to, to hear more about that. So, you know, basically I just want to kick it off, passing it on to you. I'll hear a bit about, you know, where you're from, how did you end up where you are today? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh. In terms of where I'm from, I'm a Danish, born and raised, um, but maybe more professionally speaking, uh, you could say I actually started out in uh, as a programmer, right? So uh, coding websites in the basement, uh, learning Photoshop, uh, PHP, uh, HTML, CSS, and things like that. That's actually how I kind of got started. And then uh, I just randomly uh, joined a marketing agency called Kunda & Co. And then I thought, okay, this marketing stuff is actually pretty interesting. Um, yeah, so worked a bit with digital there uh, for five or six years. Um, wrote a book actually while I was there uh, on digital strategy uh, as part of my thesis. And then um, I had the good fortune after a few years in the agency business to join a fantastic company called Jabra. Makes these uh, great headsets. Uh, where I was head of, uh, you could say, uh, marketing and digital for seven years. Tried a bunch of cool stuff, uh, worked with very large ad budgets, also very small budgets to begin with, and kind of had an amazing journey there. And then a year and a half ago, I thought, okay, um, need to do something else, seven-year crisis and all of that. And then I thought, what about going back to consulting in a smaller place and uh, kind of geeking out? On, on some things I'm passionate about. So that's uh, B2B sales and marketing. That's what I do today as a partner in Quadrant. Uh, so it's very nerdy stuff uh, in, in that sense. And I really enjoy that. Uh, privately, I have three kids and, and they, they really think what I do is like incredibly boring and uh, wish I would do something much cooler. But uh, yeah, so I hope the audience today is a bit more forgiving. <laughs> than my own family that's a, that's for sure oh yeah <laughs> top, top my, my daughter still asks me so far fa, what is it that you're really doing yeah yeah <laughs> she's she's 15 I, so it's exactly. not like she wouldn't understand if i had explained it properly or it was exciting or like, worth remembering we, perhaps we really messed this up right because uh a few months ago we had a workshop with with a customer and it was a full day workshop you know and you know you know, you typically do some exercises to kind of get people going. And we brought a bunch of Lego sets and there was kind of a competition to, you know, which group can build the Lego set faster. It was about collaboration. That was fun. 
I took a picture and I sent it back. And now they just think that's what I do. Like that's make Legos at work. And it's just like any notion that I do anything <laughs> like serious, it's just gone. So that's great. It's, it's a tough one. Yeah, you shot yourself in the foot there. Yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> oh, yeah. So besides, you know, playing with Lego, what kind of, you know, gets, gets you up in the morning? Yeah, so, yeah, and again, besides the, the kids, they, like, physically get me up in the morning. I think, uh, you know, what I'm actually very excited about is uh, this space, B2B sales and marketing, like, it is it is actually changing, right? Like, there's a lot of things that uh, that are shifting, both as a salesperson, right? You go from this uh, guy carrying around products in a suitcase, getting into his uh, Volkswagen Passat, and driving around Jutland to meet customers, like that's like that's actually how people sold things for the last hundred years, right? That's that's just how it was. That's changing, and then marketing, right? We used to do logos and uh, nice brochures and events. That's also changing, right? And uh, you know, depending on what industry you're in, you know, of course, if you're in SaaS software, that changed a long time ago, and you're doing a bunch of other things. And then you're into, like we are in a lot of uh, industrial companies where they're earlier in that journey, but are battling with a lot of other things. So I just think it's such an interesting space because things are happening and you can actually make a difference and discover, I think, really new things about how do we do this in a better way. So yeah, I think that's exciting. It's interesting how the whole COVID-19 situation just put all of that stuff like on, on full speed like yeah. you know you can no longer drive around in your car in Jutland because it's to go out it's quarantine 100% yeah really? and I, I really think it was happening anyway but it just moved it forward right and then I think for me the most exciting thing there is that yes that happened and then people's first uh, intuition is to do whatever they did offline and just do the same <laughs> thing online and in many cases that meant webinars right <laughs> so now we just do a, a ton of webinars right true or even insane things like uh, virtual all-day events right where ah, now we do an eight day an eight hour virtual event and we're like little avatars walking around in this incredibly pixelated space and it, it's just bad so I also think like that idea of you know, the things you do first when you're forced online that's just kind of a stepping stone right to something more digitally native, right? And, and again, I think I just think that that journey is uh, fun and interesting. Mm. So, Brian, Brian, you you've been on the on the agency side, you've been on the on the client side, if we should call that. And <laughs> what, what has like been your biggest learnings, you know, business wise, or doesn't actually need to be business wise, <coughs> just be life. Yeah, life <laughs> advice. <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. Like, uh, I think in relation to um, maybe more professional learning, right? I think uh, I always enjoy this kind of. I've I've enjoyed switching back and forth, right, between consulting and um, let's say uh, the industry, and uh, for two reasons, right? Uh, one is uh, it helps you empathize, right? And I feel like that's probably been one of uh, my biggest learnings is that um, you know you're, you start in the agency world right and especially where I came from you know people said to each other 
things like, oh, the client is stupid, right? They would say that all the time, right? <laughs> Not throwing anyone under the bus here, but I'm just saying that would be a thing people said to each other and people thought they were the smartest people in the world, right? True. Yeah, and then you have, uh, and I also thought, you know, I was in that world, right? And then I thought when I was, I was switching, I thought, ah, these people are all terrible. What are they doing? And then you actually go there and then you realize, hmm, okay, there's a lot of smart people here. Uh, things sometimes happen that don't make sense, but they happen for a reason, right? They happen because things happen in large corporations due to politics, due to organizational fatigue, uh, due to many different things where, okay, from an outside perspective, that doesn't make sense. But as an insider, you, you get why it happens. And by the way, these people that from the outside maybe look a little bit wonky, they're actually great, right? So if we put them to use in the right way, if we give them a little bit of direction, we can have a lot of great things happen. So I think that fundamental notion of, of empathy, I think is something that uh, lacks sometimes in this kind of uh, collaboration. And then I think for me, it carries over today to what we do with sales and marketing, right? Where everyone's been saying for years and years and years, sales and marketing need to collaborate more, right? And we also, we always preach that that starts with empathy. Like, again, like a good uh, marriage, you know, uh, we got to have the same vision, you know, where are we going? Why are we going this direction and so on? And then we got to realize we're different. Like you are different from me. I can do these things. You can do these things. And the only way you get there is through empathy, right? So kind of understanding, you know, what makes you great? When are you great? When am I great? And kind of how do we do that together? So, so one of kind of my biggest learnings is, again, in the role where I am now, I have to self, right? I'm, you know, I'm not a full-time salesperson, but I have to sell something. That kind of gives you a lot of empathy for what's it like to be, a salesperson, okay? That means uh, I understand why nobody updates CRM, right? Because it sucks. <laughs> like, I don't want to update CRM either. So, like, you kind of develop that uh, skill from, from walking in someone's shoes, right? So I think that's that's been a big takeaway for me, I think. Good point. That's, I think as when you work as a consultant, you, you only see such a tiny piece of yeah. the company and exactly. you're only optimizing like sub-optimizing towards achieving some tiny goal. Yeah. You need to like look at the whole ship where it's going and mm. you've missed that as a consultant. You also tend to, uh, because of lack of industry experience of having been mm. in the industry, you tend to somewhat think that it applies across all industries. Mm. Uh, and there are actually huge differences between industries just yep. because of the type of people that are employed there and who the type of customers are. So uh, it has huge value like, like you, Brian, where you've been on both sides of the fence because you get some uh, comprehension of that. Mm. And I think also when you, it's funny when there's this um, company, I forget, my image who they, they survey like buyers of consultancies and, you know, their biggest pain is always that my advisor doesn't understand me. Like they don't understand my business. They don't understand my industry, right? And I think we, we see that all the time, right? Where somebody is doing something, I don't know, buying programmatic display banners or whatever the hell, right? In, a, in an industry, in a target segment where it, it makes no sense, right? But they've just always done it. So now I'm going to do it again. 
And I think just that fundamental piece, I think we have so far to go as an industry of advisors, uh, but I think especially in marketing of really understanding the customer, the industry, the dynamics, right? Like, and I got this all the time in Jabra where somebody came and thought we were an e-commerce business. But, uh, we do a little bit of search keywords. So what are you talking about? Like, we yeah, sell headsets to, we're B2B, we sell them through a distributor. Do you know what a distributor is? No, we don't. Okay, great. And it sells them to a reseller and then there's Microsoft and the system integrator. And like, understanding that value chain, like, people would get that wrong all the time. And, and I, I feel like that's such an important part of and being I, a good I think, advisor. I think even as uh, as marketing, if you now you're mentioning sales and marketing, and if you don't in marketing understand what happens after a lead becomes an opportunity, mm-hmm. then what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Because exactly, and I think- sales cycles can be extremely long. They can be short or depending on the product and the target segment. Uh, and long sales cycles, as we, as we know, becomes increasingly more complex. Um, and long sales cycles with high value items employs a whole different kind of people in sales mm. and in purchasing because it's high ticket items. Um, so I love your view on sales and marketing as a totality and as an integrated discipline. Mm. So, Brian, when did you uh, get started with social media? I mean, you've had a Facebook account for a while, I imagine. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but at what Don't point? Don't go there, by the way. <laughs> it's not very pretty. <laughs> Cat videos on it. Yeah. So, so when when did you start using it for for business purposes? Uh, yeah. So I think it was actually some kind of midway through being in Jabra. I think it, it, um, like I've always been a fairly opinionated guy, uh, to be honest, right? I like arguing. <laughs> I like just taking the, the devil's advocate, opposite view, whatever. Uh, I can't recommend contrary. that. Uh, yeah, just like being contrarian, right? Which, uh, yeah. like, it's super unhealthy for your marriage. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I find it intellectually stimulating, right? So, uh, I've always done that, right? And then uh, I just started doing it at some point on LinkedIn while I was in Jabra. And I just kind of immediately hit on a few topics where I was being maybe just a little bit controversial, nothing crazy, and just got a lot of response on it. And um, that kind of kicked off uh, something with me because uh, I love to write. I enjoy it. Like If I could do only that, that would be great. And I um, I like discussing and being controversial and thinking and trying to think through new things by discussing them. So it just kind of came fairly natural and I just got really good response and then I just kept going. And then I think being in inside a big company like Jabra, I think I self-censored a lot, right? <laughs> because... <laughs> Like, yeah, I, there was obviously a lot of things that I couldn't get into uh, because they were kind of, like, of course, I would, I would be inspired of what I saw. But since I was only in Jabra, it was kind of obvious that everything I saw was about Jabra, right? So it would be, there were a lot of things I didn't share, obviously. And um, so I think it, it really took off for me when I became a consultant again, because I think I had 
it just had like pages and pages and pages of stuff I wanted to say and share and things I thought about, which of course are a lot easier when when you don't have to think about corporate politics or whatever, right? Sure. So I think, have but I think it, it actually started there. So now you need to consider prospects that are following yeah, yeah. in terms of what you're writing on this guy. Yeah, and to be honest, never. To, yeah, exactly right. But to be honest, I'm I'm actually not like I I could probably be a lot more clean. Like I go weird places that like if I made like a really tight strategy about I want to talk about these things to this audience. I think I would write different things, but I'm also just kind of interested in a lot of things. So I probably could be a lot more focused <laughs> thinking about prospects, but I actually don't. Like I actually just get into what I find interesting, to be honest. I met like two types of people when it comes to like uh, publishing on social media. And one is like, they generally not really just interested in publishing anything. Mm. And the other ones are like, uh, of course, Okay, three people maybe. The ones like you, just going nuts, just you know, pu- putting out videos about everything. And then the other ones are like too intimidated by the environment they're in to mm. like publish anything at all yeah. because it's like, oh, what would my boss say if this if I if I said this? Uh, you know, I've just seen a lot of people put a uh, put candle under. What's yeah. <laughs> And, and of course, we uh, maybe just a little bit of advertising. Of course, this is actually something we we also help uh, some companies, also knowledge based companies, uh, do. Like find you know twin, ten or twenty people who have opinions but have kept them <laughs> under wraps and uh, helping them kind of publish stuff, right? Because it's I, I realized that that. I'm lucky because I have a bunch of the things that are kind of required to do it yourself because I also enjoy writing and also enjoy making content, right? But a lot of people need a little bit of help, right? Because you, you'll have, uh, otherwise you'll you'll have to rely on kind of the half a percentage of people who just kind of do it because they enjoy it um, versus the, um, versus the, let's say the one to 5% who have all the place, all the things needed, except for that kind of last step of actually doing it and getting help, uh, moving it across the finish line. Right? If you have a client and they have like these 10 and 20 people and you want them to start posting on LinkedIn, for example, to create some kind of revenue stream coming mm. in that way, you know, where, where do you start that process? So if hundred percent, it starts with, with picking the right people, right? People who know something about something <laughs> and are opinionated enough about it to, to formulate thoughts around it. Right. And I think at least the way we approach it is that you get into some kind of ideation phase where you just write headlines, right? Where you just get into, like, if we were talking about, it could be uh, yeah, B2B sales. Right. We would write things like, uh, oh, the average salesman is dying, right? Because he's being taken over by high-end consulting and low-end e-commerce. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Next topic, uh, sales management is under pressure because there's more sellers and less managers. Okay, the end, new topic. And just hammer out uh, 50 of those headlines, right? That For me, that would be the first step. And, 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 and you can do a lot of those in not a long time if you have the right people, right? Mm. And of course, then it needs to go from idea to content, right? And of course, that 
that uh, if you're not if you don't do that every day, then we at least try to help you with a bit more structured uh, process because there are kind of standard lenses you can put on things like you know what we see when people do X or you know how I would typically approach or three things and not to kind of get into lists or whatever, right? But three things you can do to overcome X, right? Some of these things or what I saw at a client that worked earlier was whatever, right? Or what most people get wrong about. You know, one of these like many lenses you can put on an interesting topic and then uh, co-create the the content, right? And I think in this regard, you cannot be too like uh, high-flying academic, right? It's just about getting stuff done in front of a camera or writing or whatever and accepting that uh, it this is not perfect, right? This is not an ad that goes on TV. If you say something slightly stupid or uh, you pick a few wrong words, li- literally no one cares, right? Maybe your marketing department will say, ah, but the green color here is a little bit... Forget about it, right? Publish, publish, publish. And I think that part, that coaching part of helping people get from, okay, now I have some content that's good, but nah, maybe it's... A... No, no, no. <laughs> Let's get it out there. Let's get to the next piece and keep learning. Is is this is this us trying to get an entrepreneurial mindset into corporate by saying if you're not ashamed by what you put out first, you waited too long? I think it's part of it that when if we think about the stuff we put out, we have there is a sometimes a a risk of applying the highest quality standard to everything. And that's because if you do a two minute film that goes on uh, every channel and that you're going to pay a million to promote, you need a high production value, right? Because otherwise you're fooling yourself. Or you make a a book or a, a very high-end piece of content with hundreds of people. Yes, you need that level. And then you need to realize what are those other levels of production. And for us, uh, when you make a LinkedIn post, it's okay to 90% of the time be on iPhone-level camera something yeah. you wrote in 15 minutes, right? Because you, uh, if, again, if we have the right people, let's say you are selling, a, I don't know, SAP software, right? Like, I'm sure if we get the right people, they will know more about SAP, how to implement it, what you typically get wrong, the best people to use for it, and so on, that I will ever know in a lifetime, right? So they are extremely fast from idea to saying something. It's more about helping them move that journey and, as you say, being a little bit more entrepreneurial about how do I, how do I Plus, publish, right? Because in you... my experience for industrial manufacturing customers and, and IT security, et cetera, it's the people you're reaching do not necessarily care about all the bling-bling and the, the perfect video quality. They're there for the content. Mm. And obviously they know if this person is knowledgeable and enlightening me with by sharing his his content. It doesn't fall flat on its face because the coloring or the light wasn't right or the video quality doesn't wasn't matter. right. It's a completely different game because you're hitting <laughs> in a in a business context on expertise. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I would I, we often kind of uh, compare it to think about when that same salesperson goes out to a normal meeting. Like we don't think about the production quality there. Like 
you arrive in your car, you go to reception, you say, hi, you want a cup of coffee? Yeah, I want a cup of coffee. You know, we share a screen. Stuff isn't working. The screen, ah, whatever. Let's yeah. just turn the screen around, click on slides. No, it's just fun. Like, it, that's just life, right? Like, that you don't engage with normal people in this kind of polished manner, right? And True. for me, that's the same on social, right? Just be a human. A very good point. I mean, that I've seen you know, some of the objections coming in or, you know, it's not objections maybe, but pushback from typically in a founder-led companies mm. have past maybe 100, 200 employees. The founders become very aware or focused on how their company is being perceived in the market. So mm. They tend to have the, the biggest opinions about how should those videos be? And if it's not good enough quality, they will, you know, go and and knock that person in the head and say like, "Why? Why did you put out that stuff?" Yeah. Uh, have you have you dealt with some kind of like those? Yeah, hundred percent. There's both in what I used to do previously, but but also here, you know, sometimes you see bad stuff, right? <laughs> like let's be honest, people are uh, like, and I do bad stuff as well, like all the time, I guess. Uh, and you you just have to weigh that every time you go in and you critique someone doing that, you are you are risking them just stopping, right? So you really have to weigh: Do I get, need to get into this, right? And of course, if it's blatant enough, like people saying like wrong things or showing something that's directly wrong, okay, it's got to be there. But yes. I, would, I, would, I would also say like just really careful about destroying like the motivation to do something here right uh, because it's so fickle right people struggle to get started so much you don't want to you don't want to over control or manage it and again if you accept that again it's personal salt leadership it's people building their personal brand and using that to elevate uh, wherever they work we also have to have to cede a lot of control to them, and and that's perfectly fine. And again, think about what we give in terms of trust to a normal employee, like to a normal salesperson. Yeah, you can go out and you can close that ten million dollar deal. Um, I don't need to be there. You can even make your own slides and like control the whole sales process, but I won't let you post on LinkedIn. Like it just makes no sense. Like the amount sure. of trust we give people uh, in some situations and then not in others. Right. Okay. And then of course the final thing is like, if you're scared that they say something wrong, are they even the right people in the first place? Like maybe that's just something to reflect on in general. Very good point. So just to summarize a little bit, you're halfway, um, you got you got started by just having an opinion. Mm. In the nature of being at ease with being a little controversial, actually seeking it, we could say. Yeah, yeah. Me, me <laughs> too. So, and, and then of course, as as I started my first podcast, I had this struggle of hitting the record button because listening to my own voice was just unbearable. Mm. Uh, so to me, it sounded wrong, but yeah. of course not to the rest of the world. So do get started and start right now where you're at with what you have. I think I would compare it to when I started uh, doing websites, right? So we are back in the basement, I'm 15 years old. The great part about it is that uh, you typically have a website for yourself, right? Like everyone had that, right? And then uh, you make a company. 
and you redesign that company page like uh, every every second week or whatever, right? And it's uh, it, they're all bad. Like they're all embarrassing, bad designs. And um, but it's kind of okay because nobody really sees it anyway. <laughs> but you're you're just putting in the rips, right? You're getting better and better and better and er- at every design. And then at some point, you have something you're proud of, uh, and that you might not need to redesign next week. And I think it's a little bit the same. You make your first stuff; it's terrible. Doesn't matter. Nobody sees it anyway, right? <laughs> so, and I, and I think, and again, even if they do, it's forgotten, right? Uh, Twenty minutes later, people have passed, and so on. Uh, at most, you will have uh, put a very small drip in their mind that you exist and that you maybe wrote something halfway interesting, right? And I think True. just that idea of yeah, you don't look impressive the first time you go to the gym either. But that's that's kind of the whole point. Like what you, but you gotta put in the reps to to get good and and accept the little bit of uh, suckiness in the beginning, uh, but also just be calm with the fact that. And again, this kind of goes for a lot of human interactions. Nobody cares about you. <laughs> People have all these other things they're doing with their life. Nobody cares. So if you do it a little bit, it's, it's fine. People don't care. And again, the caveat here is, 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 of course, if you're a CEO of a listed company, do think about what you post on, on social media, right? But, but, but most of us are not, right? Let's be honest. What I took home from what you said is that it's more, in the beginning, it's more a matter of what you are interested in, what you have an mm. opinion on that you can use before you start getting too structured and it starts hampering you. Then just talk yeah, about a, what you enjoy a, talking about. Exactly. And I think it's something we also internally, also with customers, but actually internally also discussed a lot that should we control more? Like we have a editorial calendar where we bundle topics and kind of talk about the same things for a few months. And we just kind of look at each other and say, like, that, that's not how I work. Like, I, I can't do that. Like, uh, that, that, that would kill my production. Energy. It would kill my creativity uh in this particular medium right so again i think if you're doing paid so yeah totally different thing do things same thing many many months whatever but here when it's opinion based and thought you're totally right you've got to have that connection between what's interesting for you and what's interesting for the audience and the only way to start is what's interesting for you so it's kind of the only thing you can control right so totally agree i would not control it too much Personally, right? Just end up kind of demotivating. I mean, as a company, if, if we're talking about a company and not it depends of a, of a size that has a particularity of how they, they want their brand to be, you could maybe set up some outer parameters in terms of what we would like to see and what we don't like to see and guys yeah. operate inside of this and then go crazy. And I think uh, that is the one uh, rule we also have at our company that you know, we have a, you can be funny if you like, you can be controversial, be silly, doesn't matter. But if you're using corporate logos, images, and so on, then, of course, you need to be serious, right? <laughs> like, we are we are fairly serious brand, and that's, uh, and we talk to kind of, say, a very mature audience in terms of uh, CEOs, CMOs, and sales and so on. 
So there is something about the corporate brand when you involve that, then I think you do need guidelines. But when we're talking about a, your personal brand, then it's fine that you are yourself, right? Because again, people follow people, people buy from people. But we don't want cartoon characters and so on on top of the logo or like weird things like that doesn't make any sense. So I would say again that there is something about keeping your corporate brand safe. Uh, don't want to mess that part up. But but again, in the personal space, you should have more freedom. Yeah, because you are a person. Now, you said that you don't necessarily target audiences or your dream customers. You you engage in conversation and you share your message. But has that changed? Is it still like this? Or have you become found a way or yeah. become aware yeah, of how you reach a certain audience? Of course, most of what I do has to be within the realm of B-sales and marketing, which I think happens totally on its own because it's like all I do, <laughs> all I think about. Yeah. So it like it totally, it, it, it does it by itself, I would say. Um, and again, uh, of course, you can also kind of build a presence talking about other things like um, diversity and inclusion or how we get a healthy work-life balance or some of these kind of broader topics. Uh, but again, that's where you have to find your uh, own niche in terms of where are you on that scale of things that everyone cares about, like uh, yeah, work-life patterns, or do I work from home or at the office, things like that, that will get a lot of likes and a lot of reach if you write clever things. And then on the other spectrum, very geeky things about how can I implement SAP in the best manner will get you a lot less likes. Maybe it will make you more dollars in the end, <laughs> but uh, it's a totally different thing and you write in a different way and you write to a different audience. Uh, and I think that spectrum, I think you have to think about as a content producer and writer, like where do I put myself? And again, it's not like you can never say something about society at large or whatever, but, but at least place yourself a little bit on that spectrum. Um, I have personally a lot of uh, respect and care for people who play at the heavy end, right? Who don't mind getting into extremely geeky, nerdy stuff. Because I think, yeah, you, you call it social selling. Like if you want to sell something, I actually think that that end of the spectrum works much better, right? Because you might not reach a lot of people. You might not get 200 likes on every post. But you're talking about something that's very important for few people, and those are the ones who will ultimately buy from you, right? True. Are you? That like... was actually another another thing popping up in my head because I'm like by nature allergic to KPIs or metrics that are you know we got X likes or X yeah. followers or whatever impressions. So I know in your your business you you went down the rabbit hole and you actually digged into like. What, how this was helping you, like with the business? Yeah, and I, I think definitely, I think the title of this show is great, Messy Growth, right? And I think nowhere is it more messy than this. Because again, in our own company, you know, we wrote books. Uh, uh, I wrote, written a few books. We posted a lot of things. We did a bunch of content. And when does it pay off? Yes. 
I don't know, like at some point. Uh, <laughs> but what we see now, of course, is that the work we've done over the last three years is paying off. And I think uh, when when we just do, and again, you can do, uh, there's a lot of talk about kind of marketing attribution these days and uh, yeah, manual versus whatever. We're such a small company that we can manually look at every report. So that that's the easy part at every customer. And we know for sure that every one of the deals we get in are directly, oh, sorry, indirectly influenced by, by content. We can see that they've downloaded stuff. We can see that we've talked to them on, on social. And then we have a subset of our customers that are 100% attributed to what we do on social. And we, and that's not an, that's not an insignificant amount. Like <laughs> it's not every customer. It's a, probably just shy of, 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 of half, but we can see that a very large portion of them are directly attributed to what we do. And typically, of course, it's a combination of, uh, like a few years ago, we, we had someone come in who maybe knew someone in the company from years, years, years ago. And then he, he had a very concrete problem and he saw one of my colleagues post something extremely nerdy, like very nerdy about a topic. But that was exactly what he was looking for. And then short sales process, boom, customer, great relationship, and so on. So we can see when we try to analyze it that it influences and directly produces a lot of pipeline and revenue. Uh, are we going to measure it every month and look at the likes of it? Not at all, right? Uh, but I think that's the difficult part of it, right? If we post a lot of stuff, but nobody sees it, Mm. How do we get become yeah. aware of whether our content is spreading? And I mean, is it is it likes? Is it comments? How do we get a feel for whether we expand the message that we have? Because I mean, if nobody sees it, we should be doing yeah. something different. Hundred percent right. And I think it's a little bit like when somebody's reviewing email marketing campaigns. Right? Is open rate interesting? Literally, no one cares about open rate. It is kind of interesting for that person writing the next headline, right? Because they have to look at that data over time to learn what works and what doesn't. And I feel like engagement metrics are kind of the same. Like they should influence kind of what you do, but with respect to that that spectrum, right? Because if I only wanted uh, more likes, I would write about... Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, I would write about uh, Elon Musk, I would write about... Uh, parental leave or things like this that are broadly interesting. So again, they are important, but are they important to your business? Again, that's where you have to blend it with that spectrum. Like if I can make nerdy posts uh, about deeply uh, intricate stuff that also get uh, reached, that's where I want to be, right? And and um, so, so in that sense, engagement just... metrics are important, right? It's not the am- amount of of likes and comments. It's whether you get likes and comments from the people you want to engage with. Yeah, exactly. And and that you are you get it when you're saying something relevant to your business, right? <laughs> like it, it has connection to what you want to do. And I think it's fine every once in a while to do a, like a general interest thing. Uh, but again, you, you, you want to get reach on the right people with the right message, right? And I think 
you have to at least think a little bit about engagement metrics there, right? Again, nobody wants to become gold on how many likes they get. Uh, nobody wants to be measured on comments or or reach in general. Like again, it should not never be a goal. And I think, uh, but is it a is it a data point you can look at? Yes, and I think that's the key difference. Like, is it just data points? Or is it goals? And never put a goal on on a like, right? <laughs> then uh, then, uh, then you, you put it. How well do we need to know the algorithm on LinkedIn? In- I think it's a good question. I think there's a lot of people who know more about the LinkedIn algorithm than I do. To be uh, to be uh, to be totally honest, right? So, and I'm not totally sure all the time whether they know. Right, because there's a lot. You can also meet a lot of. Uh, you are, you, no, are you can also meet a lot of like uh, SEO people, right? Who say, "Yeah, I know everything." Do you though? Like, <laughs> like, do you really? Uh, so, so let me. That's that's one caveat, right? Like, I've also talked to a lot of people at LinkedIn who 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 have literally no idea how it works, right? So that that would be my first, right? Just be careful. But I, it it seems like, and again, I don't know enough about it, but it seems like there are things you can do, right? There, you know, we know, as you say, engagement breeds more engagement, right? So if people click read more, yes, there will be a show to more people. Of course, likes and comments mean there will be show to more people and so on. And the first hours are important and all of these things. And maybe there is something about priming uh, before a posting with like you comment on a few other people's posts. I don't know. <laughs> I would say try to find smarter people than me on the LinkedIn algorithm, but um, but but I I actually don't think too much about it, to be honest. I okay, do think so... a little bit about posting times, like yeah. post at a point where people use the platform, so you will get responses in the first hour. I do think that's probably important. Like don't post in the middle of the night, but uh, <laughs> otherwise I don't think it's too important. True. Well, when we're talking posting time, I try to put myself in the shoes of, of my ideal customer and saying, you know, where are they right now? Okay, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, they're probably on a train going from the suburbs into the city. So my post would typically go out around 8 o'clock in the morning because I know that they meet into the office around 9. So, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, for me, huge difference. First, think about making good content that's relevant for the right people. Okay, then at some point you probably want to think about when do I post this? Like, yes. I get it, right? And then maybe when you are like a super hardcore expert at some point, maybe you can get an extra 5% by priming the algorithm or something. Like, I have no idea. There's some, again, there's people at a much higher level with that than, than I am. But I would say by far most people are at a different stage, right? They're at a different stage where they have to think about just doing something and making it relevant to the right people. And I would say, start there, right? And again, it's, it's only the same as with paid ads, right? Like, yeah, but what if I, uh, yeah, the, these little LinkedIn tricks and so on. Hang on, right? Start with strong targeting, a good CTA, a great ad, and a great journey to a page or, you know, whatever. Standard, standard things. Just get that right. And then we can think about hacks and tricks and so on later, right? Yeah, and again, I, I really love the the title of this show, Messy Growth, right? Because it is really all about messy growth. It is about doing a bunch of things that are right because we know them to be right uh, and accepting that could be 12 months before you see any return on this. 
because you know it's the right thing to do, right? And I think that is where, you know, I think a lot of people in marketing have gone, including myself, have gone through some sort of learning journey over the last 10 years of kind of uh, accepting a bunch of things you can't measure. Uh, and I think this, this for sure is one of them. And it's an air, it's a thing you could, you can kill instantly, uh, by wanting to see metrics in the first week, right? But then the, the initiative is it literally dead, right? Uh, on the other hand, it's some of, one of the things that can give you the most positive return. It is exactly like building any brand, right? It takes time, it's hard work. And then once it's in orbit, it's a moneymaker, right? And it doesn't need that much to stay in orbit, but it takes a lot of energy to get off the ground. So, Brian, I think you have read uh, Schwarzenegger's book too. You mentioned sets and reps a lot of times. Maybe this just comes from the gym. <laughs> uh, but uh, I do enjoy uh, that perspective because that's what it is. It's sets and reps when we start out. It's just basic training. and uh, So get going with it. Make sure you pick a topic that you're energized about. You might even, in mm. in your story, be a little bit controversial about or super geeky. Something you enjoy it has to be fun. Where can people find you if they want to see all your amazing oh, yeah. posts? And... Yeah, just uh, LinkedIn, <laughs> probably the best uh, part, just uh, Brian Anderson. But I think I'll pop at some point. I don't even know my URL or anything like that. You can see I'm I'm a, I'm a total basis and uh yeah check out some of the other people at Quadrant as well uh from okay always uh always a pleasure to talk with other smart people about interesting stuff amazing thank you brian thank you thank you for joining us on today's episode of the messy growth show check out the upcoming guests on the messygrowthshow.com you can subscribe to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. And if you do have any comments, feedbacks, or suggestions of topics that are of particular importance to you as owner or marketeer in the software or manufacturing industry, please do reach out to us on messygrowthshow.com. It will see you on the next episode of the Messy Growth Show.